like Pastor said, um, my family and I, we moved here uh, just over a year ago, um, or just under a year, however you want to look at it. Um, from Orcas Island, Washington, God, uh, God didn't just say, hey, it might be a good idea to come to this beautiful state. God actually called us here. Uh, in 28, we have uh, been involved with ministry for over 20 years. And in 2018, God called us to plant a church on Orcas Island, like Pastor said. Called it Encounter Church because I believe more than anything in this world, when people come to church, they need to encounter Jesus. Amen? We don't come to church just to have a good time. We come to church to encounter Jesus. We don't come to church to be entertained. We come to encounter Jesus. If you want to be entertained, you can go to a movie. We come to church to encounter Jesus, to have your life changed. And so I believed this and we went for it. Little did I know that four years later, God would call us to Montana and call us to close a church. Now I know that seems weird and it was a struggle for me, but I said, God, if you're asking me to do this, I need you to confirm your word. And uh, like pastor said, we were here that Sunday and there's a man in this church who's very prophetic. I don't know if he's here this morning, uh, but very prophetic. And he said that he came up to us after the service and he said, God was speaking to me about you and your wife during service. Can I share that with you? And we were like, absolutely. So he began to pray for us. And he said, have you ever heard of the term wolves of the sea? And I was like, wolves of the sea? I have no idea what that means. And he said, I feel like that the Lord was showing me that you and your wife have been struggling. He goes, another name for wolves of the sea is the orca whale. He had my attention. I'll tell you that much. I didn't know this man from Adam. And he said that. He's, and I'm like, okay, you have my attention. And he began to share how he saw us struggling out in the water. And he, and he said, I'll never forget it. He goes, I don't know if this is a natural move, but I definitely know it's a spiritual move. Now keep in mind, Orcas Island is an island. And, and this man says to us, he goes, the Lord is telling you it's time to come ashore. <laughs> okay, Lord, you have my attention. It gets better. So we go out to lunch uh, with Pastor, and I've known Pastor since 2018, where we were part of the same network, church and network called MFI, Ministers Fellowship International, would see him uh, once a year, and just began to get to know him over those years. And when we moved to Montana, thank God there was an MFI church here. And so we went out to lunch with them just to build relationship, and we're talking, and during the middle of our meal, Pastor MT starts to like, there's, there's a scripture I feel like the Lord's giving me, and I, I don't know what it is. Well, the night before, my wife had remembered that there was a scripture that the pastor that married us 20 years ago, she was like, there was this scripture that talks about, uh, and I think it's in Isaiah, like 30, somewhere around there, he goes, uh, it says, uh, this is the, the voice, the Lord, you will hear his voice behind you. And I'm paraphrasing now. And you will know which way to go, whether it's to the right or to the left. You will hear his voice and you will know which way to go. Well, we're at lunch and M Pastor MT's like, what is that scripture? And she says that very scripture. <laughs> that very scripture that the Lord gave to our pastor that married us over 20 years ago. God was speaking and we were listening. And so, uh, Pastor, I want to honor you and thank you for allowing me to speak this morning. I count this as a privilege to be able to bring the word of God to you. Uh, also, to my beautiful wife, Nicole, and my lovely children who are up front here. Thank you. I love you guys. I won't embarrass you and make you stand up, but I do love you. <laughs> Amen. Um, 
I am passionate about the word of God. One thing in this life that I'm passionate about is preaching. It's God's word. There's a lot of things that you could be passionate about. I know there's a lot of hobbies and sports and things that people can be passionate about, and that's totally fine. I have nothing against you. Me, on the other hand, I get passionate about God's word. So if I shout this morning or if I get a little bit excited, it's nothing personal. It's just because I believe in God's word. One of my favorite scriptures is Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is living and active, powerful than any two-edged sword. So every time we read God's word, it is alive. Amen? Every time we read God's word, it can come alive. It can speak to you. And just like I shared those stories with you, it can lead your life. You know, I want to encourage some of you this morning. Some of you are looking for answers in all the wrong places. I think that's a song. Some of you are looking for answers in all the wrong places. I would encourage you to open your Bible and begin to search the scripture. Say, God, speak to me. Have you ever prayed that prayer, God speak to me? We've all prayed that prayer, right? I heard it once said, if you want to hear God's voice, read his word out loud. You want to hear God's voice, read his word out loud. That's how powerful God's word is. You don't believe me, go home and try. You don't believe me? Man, I hope that testimony that I just shared about how those God's words speaking to two people that we had barely even knew, that, that God gave them scripture. That's how much I believe in the power of God's word. So the scripture, John 10, 10 is kind of the theme for this message series. And how many of you guys have been enjoying this message series, the author of life? Come on, John 10, 10, what does it say? I mean, you can clap for God's word. It's all right. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Come on, these plans are contrary to one another. The, the enemy only has one plan. He only has one thing that he's going to try to do in your life. Steal, kill, and destroy. But God, come on, aren't you thankful for God? Come on, aren't you thankful for Jesus? He came to give you life and life more abundantly. And I believe, as I give you this word this morning, that God wants to share something with you. If you would begin to open up your heart and, open up your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, I believe he will show you something out of his word. I'm going to start in preaching out of... John chapter 6, and I'm going to read this story to you. It's verses 1 through 15. If you can open your Bible, if you have one, or you can look up on the screen and follow along. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, here's a boy with five barley loaves and two small fish, but, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And after, people, and after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. 
Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, we know that you're here. We know that the Bible says where two or three are gathered in your name, you are here. And I pray this morning, Jesus, that you would walk the very aisles of Hope Church, Lord, that you would touch every heart, that you would open every ear. God, not to hear me, not to see me, but to hear your voice, but to hear your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that your word, like we know, is active. I pray it would do something in our hearts. It would even activate something, Lord. I pray that dreams that have been dead would come back to life. I pray that people that are believing for breakthrough, Lord, would see it. Lord, I thank you that you are gonna do what you are going to do today, Lord. So we get out of the way, Lord, so you can have your way. We thank you for this. We give you the praise in the mighty name of Jesus. All of God's people that are glad to be in the house this morning, say amen. amen. The title of the message this morning is the God of provision. The God of provision. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you felt uh, like you weren't going to get out, like it was an impossible situation? Kind of would be, I, I was trying to think of something last night, like if you were out in the desert driving along and you got a flat tire, you know, kind of like, uh, in fact, I'm just remembering pastor, when we were here that year, when we were driving home, we were coming over Snoqualmie Pass and our car literally started smoking. And I, at first I looked back, I'm like, that can't be my car. That happens to other people. I follow Jesus, nothing happens to me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But we get flat tires like everyone else. But my car started smoking and pretty soon my wife's like, you need to pull over. I'm like, absolutely, I need to pull over. And, and sure enough, our cars, and I'll just tell you straight up, I'm not like a car guy, so I don't really know, like I can, I know where the oil is, I know how to change the wiper fluid, I can change a tire, but that's about it. And so I opened the hood and I'm like, and here we are, Snoqualmie Pass, and we're, we're stuck. And it, it kind of felt a little bit impossible, but what we find here is in John chapter six, we find the disciples and Jesus now, and they're kind of in this situation where it's a little bit uh, not sure what's going on. And what we're gonna see here is that God begins to reveal some things that he began to reveal to me through the story that I'd like to share with you this morning. So as we dive back into the story, what we see is we see Jesus now, and we see a crowd following. Now, if, you, if you've read any amount of your Bible or any amount of scripture, how many stories talk about the crowds following Jesus, right? Crowds follow Jesus. And it says, uh, verse two, it says, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Now I wanna propose a question because I began to think about this when I saw this. I said, Lord, am I just following you because of what you can do? Or am I following you for who you are? Am I following you because I know that you are the God of the miracles, amen? I know that you're the God of the breakthrough. I know that you're the God of provision. I know that you're the God of healing. God, do I follow you for the things that you can give me? God, are you like a spiritual vending machine that, you know, whenever I need something, Lord, I just kind of come up to it and put my money in and take it out and I'm blessed? Or God, are you someone that I follow because of who you are? Do I simply follow you because you're the king? Do I simply follow you because you saved me? Come on, that should be enough for, for us, amen? That should be enough for us to follow Jesus, that he saved us from suffering from the hell, but not just that, so we could have an abundant life right now. See, the point of being saved is not just to be saved, right? Because if we got saved, then Jesus would just take us when we got saved. 
right? There's a point to our lives. And I don't want to be a person that just follows Jesus for what he can do for me. I want to follow Jesus just because I love him. Just because, Jesus, you are the king. You're my father and I follow you. And following Jesus ain't easy. I was even thinking about this in worship. I was reminded of the scripture in James where it says, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. See, we don't like scriptures like that, do we? Matthew 16, 24 and 25 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So there's a cost to following Jesus. And another thing that I noticed in this story, and I want you just to keep this in mind as I continue on in this message, but I noticed there's a different posture. It says that Jesus and his disciples sat down. So keep this in mind that Jesus and his disciples now are sitting down as this story begins to happen. So verse five, it says, Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd of coming. So Jesus sees these people and he turns to one of his disciples and he says, hey, hey, Philip, you see all these people here? Now, scholars actually say that there was probably more like around 20,000 people if you included the women and the children. So it's a lot of people. You guys, for those of you that were served here on Easter or you've seen the video, do you remember how many people were out here in a, in a park? You guys are all like, yeah, it was a lot of people. Well, just imagine about 10 times more people out into the other field, into the other field and across the street. So you, there's a lot of people here. Look at what Jesus says. He says, Philip, where are you gonna buy these food? He asked this only to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do. My first point is this, we need to trust the test. We need to trust the test. See, God's omnipotent. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. God already knew what he was gonna do. God already knows what he's gonna do in your life. See, we, we like to question God, don't we? I've been there. God, why? Why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? Why am I struggling? Why am I battling? But you know what? I have a conviction in my life. It's not my job to question God. It's just my job to trust him. It's just my job. Lord, I don't know why I'm going through this, but Lord, I'm gonna trust you through the test. I'm gonna trust you through this, this trial. You know, how many of us have prayed the prayer, Lord, change me? <laughs> yeah, you know, you're laughing because you know why. <laughs> Lord, I wanna be more like you. And the Lord's like, great, here's a test. <laughs> Lord, I don't want to be like you anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Lord, I want to be like you. Here's a trial. No. We, why, Lord? You wanted to be more like me. Remember, I said, if you want to follow me, you're to lay down your life. You're to pick up your cross. I know we want the, Christ, we, I know we want the easy Christian life. And unfortunately, I'm here to tell you this morning that following Jesus ain't always easy. You know, living for yourself is a lot easier. Do you remember your life before Jesus? Doing what you wanted to do? Living how you wanted to live? Sinning how you wanted to sin? Come on, if we could just be honest for a second, sinning is fun. You remember your old life? You remember how much fun you had? I mean, it's fun for a minute. Sin will cost you more than you want to pay. It's going to take you further than you want to go. See, following Jesus is going to cost us something. And say, so when we pray the prayer, Lord, change me, we're, we're asking the Lord to bring us tests. And so it's, it's our 
responsibility as a Christian to trust God. Are we gonna react or are we gonna respond? When a trial comes our way, are we gonna look at it and are we just gonna begin to fight against it or are we gonna look at it and be like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to learn from this? How do you want me to become more like you? How do you want me to become more like Jesus? How do you want me to become more of a follower of Christ? I mean, think about this for a minute. Jesus being all-knowing, one of his inner 12 was the betrayer. Yet, the way Jesus treated that betrayer, he loved him. He allowed him into his inner circle, even knowing that he was going to betray. And I think about that, I'm like, Lord Jesus, help me. I, I want to be more like you, but help me, Lord. Now, at this point in the story there, in the account of Luke, and we're not going to have it on the screen. I just want you to listen to this. There's a verse that Luke writes, and it, it's verse 12 and 13. It says, Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages in the countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. Listen to what Jesus says. He replied, You give them something to eat. Are you tripping, Lord? Like, this is just my paraphrase. Lord, are you what? 20,000 people, Lord, we got, what are you talking about here? Jesus proposes a question. And my second point is this, use what God has put in your hand. Use what God has put in your hand. See, in this situation that seemed, probably the disciples didn't really know how to handle this. Almost an impossible situation. We got 12 people here. We're not sure where this food's gonna come from. We got about 20,000 people here, Lord. And you're telling me to give them something to eat? Lord, are you, what is going on here? But see, I believe that God sees our lack as an opportunity for him to move. Yeah. See, what might seem insignificant in your hand is all that God needs. It's all that he needs. And he invites us, he invites you, he invites me to be a part of the solution. The people in your life that don't know Jesus, he invites you to be part of the solution for them to come to know who Jesus is. See, we're not just meant to live for ourselves and for one another and to just be inside this church tonight. It's a cool little club and we can just do what we want. No, Jesus calls us to go out into all the world, preach the gospel and make disciples. See, you don't need a platform. You don't need the stage right here. You don't need the microphone to be a minister of the gospel. You, you don't need a television show. You don't need to write a book. See, Jesus has given each and every one of you something in your hand to use. And you might think it's not enough, but guess what? With God, all things are possible. Come on. Luke 18, 27, but he said the things which are impossible with men, the things that are impossible that we can't do. Guess what? With God, come on, somebody say with God. It's possible. Come on, with God, it's possible. With God, it's possible. So we have all these people, they're sitting around and Philip goes to Jesus. He's like, all right, Lord, okay. It's gonna take half a year's wages to buy enough bread for these people to eat. Now, if I think about that, that's a lot of, I would imagine a lot of money. I mean, just think about your own Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner. This is like, do we have enough food to feed people? Imagine trying to feed 20,000 people. And you know, Philip was probably thinking, man, there's probably teenagers here. So we need even more food. 
for all you parents that have teenagers and know your kids eat like 20 meals a day and they'd be eaten. See, Philip, he, he saw the limitation. He, he saw the limitation of the situation and I think sometimes we see the limitation of the situation when we forget that we serve a limitless God. We forget that we serve a limitless God. We forget that we serve a God who can help us. See, a lot of times we wanna help ourselves, don't we? We wanna be Jesus, take the wheel. No, Jesus, don't take the wheel, I'm driving. What you talking about? But Psalm 121 verse one and two says, I lift my eyes to the mountain. Where does my help come from? Where does my help come from? Where does my help? I lift my eyes. See, when you lift your eyes, something about when you lift your eyes and you get your perspective off of the problem and off of the circumstance and off of whatever stuff you're going through and you get your eyes off of that and you get your eyes off of Jesus, you begin to remember he's the one that can help you get through what you're trying to get through. A lot of times we forget Jesus, don't we? It's like, Jesus, where are you? And he's like, I've always been right by your side. We need to remember to keep our eyes on Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus. It tells us that in Hebrews 12, one and two. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. The New King James Version says, the author and the finisher of whose faith? Your faith. Your faith. I know what scripture says, our faith, but... I'm encouraging you this morning, it's your faith. I believe the greatest, one of the greatest opportunities that we have as Christians is that we get to have and choose the best Christian life that we wanna have. Did you know that? Did you know? You read your Bible every day, you worship, you pray, you come to church, you serve, you get involved with your community, you begin to do, it's the greatest life that you'll ever live. And I'm sold out to Jesus with everything that I have. So are you focused on the problem? Or are you focused on the problem solver? So another disciple says to Jesus, he says, all right, Lord, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he said, all right, Lord, here's, here's something. Lord, I'm gonna bring you something. Here's, here's five barley loaves and, and two small fish. But, it says, but how far will they go among us? So he came with a little bit of faith, but a little bit of unbelief. You see that? We do that, don't we? Lord, I'm praying for this, but... Lord, coming in and praying for this, but... We shouldn't let our excuses hinder what God wants to do in our lives. And think about this. There's the five loaves and the two fish. Now, I ain't no expert, I ain't no scientist, but I have to think that the fish were dead. Can we all agree on that? Oh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they weren't dead. And maybe when we get to heaven and we see that story played out on the screen or however it goes, we'll see that and I'll be wrong. And then you can come up to me and say, you were wrong. And I said, fine, that's fine. I was wrong. But how many times in our lives are there dead things in our hands? But that's all that God needs. It might be dead to you. It might not have any breath in it. It might be, might be stale. It might stink. Pastor said that, thank you. 
It might be gross. But God can even use the dead things. What are some of the dead things in your life that you thought God would never want to use? But that maybe the Holy Spirit is telling you this morning, bring them to me. Bring them to me. I can use it. I can use the dead things. Come on, don't bury your talent. Remember the, the story of the, the parable of the, of, the, of the talents, of the stewards? Three, three stewards. They were given talents. They were all given talents. They were all given something. See, God has given each and every one of you something. Something. It might be different from what he's given me, but he's given you something. Are you going to be like the steward who takes the talent and uses it for God? See, in this parable, what we see is there can there could be a tendency for us as Christians to want to compare because if you remember in the story, one steward got more than the other, right? But see, the point is, is it wasn't about who got more. The point of the story is what they did with what they had. So we have two stewards that did something with what God gave them and we had one steward that said, I'm going to bury this real quick. Bury this under here. It's like when you guys clean the fridge and you just sweep the dirt under there and you think it's going to go away. Right? You ever done that? Sweep it under there? Oh yeah, honey, I cleaned the kitchen. Yeah, I swept the floor. Let's just swept under the fridge. But how many of us take what God has given us and we don't quite know what to do with it, so we just kind of bury it. We put it in a box. And you know what? God just showed me a picture. I feel like some of you have put what God has given you in a shoebox and you put it in a closet. It's like you put it in a safe and you just locked it up. You say, I, ain't, I guess I don't know what to do with this. But I want to tell you this morning, the Holy Spirit is here to tell you that he wants you to open up that safe. He wants you to open up the shoebox and take that talent out and come to God and say, God, this might be dead. Lord, it might be old. It might be stinky. Lord, it might, it might have a little dust on it. It might have a little rust on it. But God, I'm bringing you this morning. I'm bringing this to you, Lord. Can you use it? And the Holy Spirit wants to tell you yes. He wants to tell you that he can use that this morning, that he can use the dead things. The things that you think are dead in your hands are alive in God's hands. And there's a story in Mark in chapter nine where it talks about the man who has a demon-possessed son and he brings his son to the Lord and he's saying, Lord, can you heal my son? And Jesus said, if you believe, I'll heal him. And the father says, Lord, I believe, now help my unbelief. I know that was loud, but you know what the scripture says? It says, he cried out and said with tears. Think about that. He cried out with tears. He cried, Lord, I believe now help my unbelief. And I think for some of us, we believe. We believe that God is healer. We believe that God is, is deliverer. We believe that God is who he says he is, but there's an element in doubt of faith that will come and sneak in and try to hinder us and hold us back from pressing into what God wants for our lives. And we need to remember that he is the God of provision. Come on. So we see Jesus now in this story, and I think this is really interesting. Because I've, I've read this story so many times, but I never saw this before. Jesus said, at this point in the story, he says, have the people sit down. Have the people sit down. 
20,000 people, have them sit down. Here's my next point. I don't know if I've been giving you numbers. I apologize if I haven't, but this will be number four. Allow obedience to bring the breakthrough. And this is what I saw out of Jesus just giving this simple commandment. Could a simple act of obedience be that all is God that's looking for? A simple act? I mean, how hard is sitting down? That ain't that hard, right? But I think sometimes our biggest struggle as Christians, if we would be honest with ourselves, is we just don't like to obey God sometimes. And I know that's hard to hear, but for us that are parents and have had kids before, we know that our kids don't always listen to us. I love you guys, I'm not, this is nothing personal. But then I think about how, I wonder if Jesus is looking down from heaven the same way as our heavenly father. When, we're, when, when your kids ask, you know, you ask them to do something and they say, why? Because I told you to. Because I'm your parent. And I think sometimes Jesus is like asking us to do something and we're asking why. And God's like, Be- because I told you to. Be- because I'm asking, because I'm your father, because I care about you. And I think the, the point that we need to see out of here is that It was a simple act of obedience. Is God asking you to do a simple act of obedience? See, I think sometimes as Christians, we want to do the big things for God, right? Right? Lord, I want to to go to the nations. Lord, I want to preach the gospel. Lord, I want to preach in the church. Lord, I want to do this. God, I I want to do anything for you, Lord. I'll do anything that you ask of me. And the Lord says, and he he asks you that simple thing to do. Why don't you start by serving your kids better? Why don't you start by loving your family more? Why don't you start by serving in the church? Lord, Lord, I, Lord, I could do that, but I want to go to the nations. So the Lord's like, start with the simple. And I felt, this might sound funny, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell some of you, hey, God might be asking some of you to just sit down just sit down just be obedient you know and sometimes our obedience to God doesn't make sense does it Lord I I know you told me to plant a church I'm going to do it Lord it's not just when you answer the call to ministry it's not just something like hey Lord I think I'll do it part time that's not how it works I had to come to a conviction that I was okay with staying where I was on an island for the rest of my life. I had to be okay with that. And I was. I was like, Lord, if this is what you're calling me to do, I will be obedient to the call and I will do it. Little did I know that four years later, he would call us to Montana. He would literally call, literally, as I shared with you earlier, call us to this church. God, why would you ask me or us, it wasn't just me, it was us. Why would you ask us to plant a church and then four years later ask us to close it, Lord? That don't make no sense. There's still people on that island that need Jesus. There's still people that need to hear the gospel. There's still broken people. There's hurting people. There are people that need you there, Lord. But I had to obey. And I had to trust God. I had to trust what he spoke to me. And it didn't make sense in the moment. But now when I look back, wow. Wow. Being obedient to God is so rewarding. 
It doesn't always make sense. Amen? It doesn't always make sense, but it's so rewarding. It's so rewarding. Because see, I want to look back on my life and be like, you know what, Lord? I obeyed you. What does it say in the Bible when we get up to heaven? What does Jesus say? What's he going to tell us? And I pray that he tells me this. Well done, good and faithful pastor. Well done, good and faithful father. Does it say well done, good and faithful friend? No, it says well done, good and faithful servant. I can serve my family. I can serve my church. I can serve my wife. I can serve my children. I can serve my community. I can be obedient to God. So now we see in the story, Jesus takes the loaves and in verse 11, it says this, Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks and distributed to those, listen here, who were seated. Isn't that interesting? As much as they wanted. You know, maybe for some of you that you're feeling like God's telling you to sit down. If you just sit down, then you're going to have, then you're going to get what you want. You're going to have as much as you want. But the point I want to make out of this is praise God before the provision. Can you praise God before the provision? See, pastor can't praise for you. I'm I'm, I'm a worship leader. I'm a singer. You've probably seen me up on stage. I I can praise for myself. I can't praise for you. I can pray for you, but I, I can't pray with you, but I can't pray for you. Does that make sense? Like we need to open our own mouths. Can you thank God before the breakthrough? Come on, think about something in your life that you like, God, I really need you to do something in this area. I really need you to break through. Is it, is it, a, is it a situation on your job? Is it in your marriage? Is it in your family? Come on, can you praise God before it happens? Can you praise God before you see it? Can you worship God before you see that thing happen in your life? Can you begin to worship Jesus despite what you're going through and even not seeing it, begin to say, Lord, even though I don't see it, Lord, even though I don't see it, Lord, help me. Help my unbelief, Lord. Can you praise God before the breakthrough? Can you do it? Can you do it? Last point is this. When they got to the end of the story, there was 12 baskets left over for the disciples to eat. How many disciples were there? 12. Isn't God cool? You know what that tells me? God cares about the details of your life. He does. Some of you, you know what? Some of you don't think God cares about you. You don't think God cares about you because of all the junk you've been through in your life. What does John 10, 10 say? See, some of us need to stop blaming things that the devil is doing in our lives on God. You know why I tell you that? Because of John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. If you're going through something bad in your life, it's not God. God is good. God is good. Don't let the enemy lie to you. See, that's what he wants to do. He wants to twist God's word. You know, from the very beginning in Genesis, what he told Eve, he said, did God really say that? 
And I think that's what the enemy does to us sometimes. You really believe that God's provider? You really believe God's gonna heal you? You really believe that he's gonna bring that breakthrough in your life? You really believe that? Do you, did God really tell you that? And then we begin to question. But I'm here to tell you today that God cares about the details of your life. He cares about you. And I'll end with a short story as we close this sermon. When our son was nine years old, he ended up in the hospital and we didn't know it at the time what it was. We thought it was fever, but the fever wouldn't break and it just wouldn't break and it just wouldn't break. So we ended up taking to the emergency room and as a first time parent, you know, anytime that something happens to your first kid, you're always like extra, what's the word, scared. You know, by the third child, you're like, yeah, whatever, you're fine. <laughs> so here we are, our nine-year-old son in the hospital, tubes, things coming out of him. I don't know, it just looks like something out of a sci-fi movie, but I'm like, Lord, what is this? This don't make no sense. And so we're there and trying to process, Lord, why? Why is this happening? Why am I going through this? Why is my son going through this? Lord, I believe that you're the provider. I believe that you're the God of the provision. Why would this happen to me? And I began to strike, I began to struggle and fight against God's word. But then God reminded me of something. He reminded me of a story in Daniel where it talked about, and I think it's around chapter 30 where it talks about there was Daniel prayed a prayer, but it took 21 days for this prayer to arrive. So here we are in the hospital for almost three weeks. One evening we're there and we're just kind of hanging out in the hospital because you know hospitals, when you want to hang out, that's where you go. It's kind of fun. Just sitting there and, and all of a sudden Cadence, our son, leans up and just out of his innermost being, he goes, I'm done. I'm done too, buddy. <laughs> and he's like, and he goes, let's do communion. And pastor touched on this this morning and I believe this, that there is power in communion. So we took that communion and we prayed, simple prayer, just took it. That was it. Laid down later that night. Cadence gets up, Nicole is like in the middle of the night, hears us wrestling, we're in the hospital room. She gets up and here's Cadence, he's making his bed. Hospital bed. He's making it. Like, huh? He had gotten healed that night, but you know what? the number of days it was, 21. I was like, Lord, you're so good. You are the God of the provision. I wanna ask you this morning, do you feel like there's something in your life where you're facing that it feels impossible? You're not sure you're gonna make it. You're not, you're not even sure if God's even there, you're questioning. You feel like it's, Lord, I don't know, Lord. I'm about ready to give up. But the Lord wants to come to you this morning to tell you, it's, don't give up. I'm the God of the provision. And as we close the service, I wanna stand in faith with any of you this morning that say, you know what? There's something in my life that just seems it's too much. It's impossible. I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can handle it. 
And I'm gonna ask you, if, if, if that's you, if you would be so bold, can you stand up? Because I wanna pray for you this morning. If there's anyone in here, amen, 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 come on. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, for those of you that are around someone that is standing, can you stretch your hands towards them? And for those of you that are standing as an act of faith, can you just lift up your hands? I'll pray right now. Jesus, I thank you right now for every person that is standing in this place, Lord. God, I thank you, Lord. Lord, that they have stood in faith, Lord, saying, God, Lord, they, they're saying this morning, Lord, I come to you, Lord. I'm at the end of my rope. Jesus, I need you right now. Jesus, I need you right now. Some of you are so desperate. I can feel it in my spirit. You've come, literally, you feel like you're at the end of your line and you're about to jump ship and you say, Lord, I said, I quit. But the Lord says to you this morning, don't quit. Don't give in to the lies of the enemy. So Jesus, I pray this morning, God, that you would bring a word to their spirit. Lord, you would bring a word to their heart that something inside of them will begin to recognize Jesus. Lord, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, that the God that we read about in the Bible, Lord, you are able to do the impossible. What's impossible with man is possible with God. So I pray this morning, Jesus, that every person with their hand lifted would sense your power and your presence in their life. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you're gonna do a breakthrough, that you're gonna do a miracle, Lord. Lord, that when they leave this place today, there will be a recognizable difference in their life and in their heart, whatever situation they're facing, whatever struggle, whatever trial they're dealing with. I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would do a mighty work in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, church, can we say amen?